Hey, this is Matthew Wright of the Wright Farm House Church, and the sermon that you're about to hear is a lesson given by my father, Alan Wright, at our house church. Um, it was on a day that we were outdoors, and we titled it A Fellowship Under the Oaks. And so I hope you enjoy and continue to come back. Okie dokie. So the theme that Matthew was talking about and that Michael was talk talking about goes right with what I'm going to talk about. And we didn't even discuss this together. So sometimes our, part of our problem, part of not our, but everyone's problem, is um, we, we are often like when we sing, you know, Everyone's kind of like, you know, because it's like, ah, my voice isn't that good. And so we're, you know, we're don't want to like blur, blurt it out. And it's occasionally there's someone who has a really good voice and that's very helpful when they do that. But my title today is What is God Shouting? And so because that's my ta title, I want y'all to wake up a little bit. Since we sang, <clears throat> we sang with timidity or with whatever that was. Uh, you know, when I sing, I always get off a key here, a chord here, or note here and there, and so I always like, Eek! you know. So, but everyone can shout. Can you shout? Can you shout out something real loud? Let's, what's something good that we can shout? God? God? Just God? All right, all right. God is awesome. God is awesome. How about that? God is awesome. So, no one's around here but us, right? And maybe the neighbors might hear us, but good. So, because we're going to talk about shouting, I want us on three to say, God is awesome, really loud, okay? Don't hold back. All right, ready? Okay, are you ready? Take a breath. Take a sucker out of your mouth there. One, two, three. God is awesome. Well, some did good, some didn't do so good. All right. So let's try again. One more time. One, two, three. God is awesome. All right. Wow, we got something that did really good. Now, here's, a, here's a, something. Well, I'll do it in a second. We'll do this in a second. Remember that. There's a neat story in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm not going to go through, the, the lesson isn't about this story, but it, it's, it helps us see something in, this, in the story. There's a, you could do probably several lessons. But the main character is Elijah, and he has just done something really grand up on this mountain, King Ahab. I mean, the story is, is really kind of, lengthy on that but in verse 2 Jezebel says to Elijah sends a messenger to Elijah saying you're dead I'm going to kill you all right now we were talking about struggling and getting kicked out of the army and narrow gate well here's one you're dead and so Elijah said oh I don't care nope he didn't say that, did he? He was afraid, verse 3, and ran for his life. 
<laughs> he didn't say, our God is an awesome God. I will not be afraid. He took off. All right. And then in verse 4, he's gone a day's journey into the desert. He comes to a broom tree, whatever that is. I guess it has some shade. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. Here's his pray, prayer. God, I want to die. And it's like this. And he says this. This is the short version of it. I have had enough, Lord. <laughs> Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Kill me because I'm, my, my, I'm no better than the ones already dead. I've had enough. And we've been talking about that a little bit. I mean, this, since 2020, we were like, I've had enough. You know, I don't care. All right. And so he goes to sleep. That's a pretty good thing to do. And then it says all at once, verse 5, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. All right, so this is what happened. He's like, I've had enough. I just want to die. He falls asleep. And after a little while, an angel pokes him. Pokes him. Hey, have you ever been poked awake? Yeah. Poked someone. You're sleeping and someone's poking you. This hasn't happened in a long time. But I used to snore. I don't snore that much anymore. And when I'd be just in a deep sleep snoring away, I didn't know I was snoring. I'd feel someone poking me. <laughs> and what did that mean? Stop snoring. Wake up and stop snoring. I'm like, ugh, oh, I was asleep. Well, here old Elijah's asleep, and an angel pokes him and says this, get up and eat. And he looked, and there was some food there. So the first thing I want you to say is God... He recognizes something here, and we're going to talk about this. Elijah's had it. He's just tired. He lets him sleep. He takes care of his physical needs. He lets him sleep, and he fixes some food for him. The angel fixed some food for him. All right? He said he had this cake of bread baked over hot coals. I, you know, it doesn't matter what you make over hot coals. It's always good, isn't it? Mmm. You know, some of my best meals are when I've camped out and you cook over hot coals. You throw a baked potato in the fire with a aluminum foil on it, or as they say, aluminum foil in, in Fiji, and, and you cook it on there, or you, put, take, you take your frying pan, you, you fry bacon in there, and then you pull the bacon out, and you put your eggs in the grease right there, on, uh, and coffee's always good on the hot coals. He had this hot coals over baked bread. He ate, he drank, and he went to sleep again. And then the angel woke him up and said, Hey, second course. Add in the second course on there. Well, they, he goes on this long trip, and we're going to skip down to verse 11. And, and God basically you know, sent him to this place. And then he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? That's in verse 9 and at the end of verse 9. And listen to Elijah. Doesn't this sound like us? I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put the, your prophets to death with the sword. Is that true? Was that true about Elijah? Had he been very, very zealous? Yes, he had been very zealous. He had really worked hard for the Lord. Was it true that 
the Israelites had rejected the covenant? Yes. They had broken down the altars? Yes. They were killing other, other preachers, other prophets? Yes. And they said, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. I'm all alone. So God said, I want you to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord's going to pass by. And then he says, a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. It's like these rocks are exploding around them. Man, that would have been pretty awesome. But listen, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the Lord, a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Here's what I want you to think of. Sometimes God shouts in a whisper. We shouted, what did we shout? God is awesome. But God doesn't always shout out that he's awesome, even though sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's very quiet. So that's all in a quiet whisper. Say, God is awesome. One, two, three. God is awesome. Ah. You see, it's not always just big stuff. Sometimes it's very, very little things that are happening. And so this is always true. All the way back to Elijah and before, when Things happen in our lives, and sometimes it's just very personal. I'm having some very personal struggles, and sometimes it's a nationwide struggle, and sometimes it's a city struggle, and sometimes it's a worldwide struggle. You know, there's all sorts of struggles in our life. All these things happen. We start saying, what, what's going on, God? What is going on? I've been very zealous. I've tried my best. And the world is falling apart, or my world is falling apart. And I want you to know, first of all, it's okay to ask questions of God. It's okay to do that. God doesn't get mad at you because you ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. Over in James chapter 1, he says, You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So this testing of your faith, this asking questions, is a way we grow and mature. Growth takes pain, all right? Anytime you grow, some of you kids talk about sometimes growing pains. Have you ever talked about growing pains? You kind of ache, and, you, and mom says, ah, it's nothing. It's just a growing pain. <laughs> All right, because you're growing. Your body's getting bigger. And so it, 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 sometimes it's uncomfortable. And also this questioning is how we work out our faith. Uh, faith is something that just doesn't come automatically, or it's not magic, or God doesn't just zap you with faith. But it's the way you kind of you work it out. It's a process. It's... It's, it's like any kind of other exercise that you do. It's a working, 
You've got to try and fail and try and fail and try and succeed. I mean, it's just this process that you go through. And then another thing, uh, questioning also actually validates or makes true the existence of God. Some people say, "Why is, if if God were uh, if God were uh, real, this wouldn't happen." Uh, Ryan and I were talking about that this morning. If God were real, where, where is God in the middle of this tragedy? These bad things that are happening. But I want you, and, and people get really mad at God. Have you, have you ever met someone or know yourself? Have you ever gotten mad at God or know someone that's gotten mad at God? You knew, yeah. All right. You live a little bit longer, you younger ones, you'll know some people that got mad with God. And if you're honest, you might get mad at God yourself. But guess what? You only get mad at real things. I'm hesitant to talk about the Easter bunny. (laughs) Anyone get mad at him when there's no eggs? We don't because why? (laughs) There you go. All right. You might get mad at mom and dad for not putting out the eggs. But you don't get mad at the Easter bunny because he's not real. All right? And so you get mad at God. Why? Because he's real. Because he's really there. You wouldn't be getting mad at him if you really believed he was fake, if he was imaginary. I don't get mad. at. I don't go, well, I'm always hesitant. Well, let's go back to the Easter bunny since we've talked about him. I don't get mad when there's not a nice colored Easter basket under my Easter bunny tree. <laughs> I don't get mad at him because I know he's not there. All right. I don't have an Easter bunny tree. That's right, because I know he's not real. But we know God is, and so we, we get mad at him sometimes because what, ha- what anger, this is what anger is. Anger is I have an expectation. I believe that this person, person should do or be this way, and they're not, and, and they fall short, and I get mad at them. And so I think God, if God was a good God, he wouldn't let this bad thing happen. And so here's my expectation, and the bad thing happened, and I get mad at God. Does that make sense? And so we have these questions. And all these things about questions, if you look at Jesus, when did Jesus ever get upset at people for asking questions? Did he ever get upset when people came and asked him questions? Nope. You know, the only time he kind of got upset is when the questions weren't really questions. They were traps. And he, and he might have got a little upset there, but he, he, just, he just said, well, I'll answer that if you answer this, you know, that type of thing. But when honest questions were, came to him, he would answer those honest questions. So in our struggle, whatever it is, personal or nationwide, whatever it is, remember, it's okay to ask God questions. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, which I would, you know, it's a good book to read. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so my question is, what is God shouting at me today? And he might be shouting in a quiet whisper. There's four things I think that God shouts to us. Four things. The first one is in Matthew 28, verse 20. And we all know, he says, uh, go into all the world, share the good news to all creation, 
You know that part, uh, uh, you know, uh, make disciples and baptize them. We know that part. But does anyone know the last few words? The last, basically, four words? The last four words of Jesus. What are they, Julia? No, keep going. So it's right, I forgot the teaching. It's right at the end. And I will be with you always. You know, the, the King James Version says this, And lo, or behold, lo, I will be with you always. There was a, a person in Fiji that was very excited about his Christianity. He was always out doing things. He was, he, he was doing things. And uh, someone asked him, what, what motivates you to just always be serving and doing and sharing and everything? He said, because Jesus, he talked to me and he said, he'll never, he'll, he'll always be with me. And they're like, well, how, how did he talk to you? He said, right here, Matthew, he opened it up. He says, and it says, lo, the man's name was lo. And lo, I will be with you always. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, that's how we should take it. That he is saying to you and Kai, I will be with you always. So we kind of like, oh, generally, yeah, I'll be with you always. But he's, he's really speaking to us personally. And lo, and Kai, and Matthew, and Lindsay, I will be with you always. And so when we, when we know that he has told us he's going to be with us in a special way, that he's, he is going to be able to give us that strength to keep going, knowing who is with us helps us in our questions, helps us in our struggles. And then a second one is over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, back in... 2019 this was a lot of times I'll have a, a theme scripture that I just kind of roll in my brain all year long and this was my theme scripture and it, it says there my grace is sufficient all you need is my grace my grace is su sufficient so what is grace grace is good things that are given to us by God and God's goodness is given to us in thousands of ways that we don't even recognize sometimes. Like right now, we're enjoying God's grace out here. No tree limb has fallen on us. <laughs> no, 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 no squirrels have jumped, fallen down upon us. We're in this beautiful weather. We're breathing. We have good health. You know, we, we, have, we have a job right now. <laughs> Uh, we're, you know, on and on. You could just, you could just walk around. We have a, a, a beehive back there full of bees, I hope. Uh, we have, you know, we just walk around the grace. God, we have good family. You have good friends. All these things. And one of the most amazing things is about suffering is when we suffer, good actually comes from it. All sorts of good. And Paul didn't immediately know this. It says he asked the Lord three times to remove a thorn from his side, a problem that he was having. He said three times he asked. Have you ever prayed to, the God, to God and asked them more than three times? Well, shame on you because Paul just says, ask him three times. Well, actually, that's just a, that's an idiom. It means if I said, I want you to do this over and over and you did it two times, would, that, would you be doing it over and over? You say, well, yeah, I did over and over, two times. No, that's our, ex that's our expression that keep on doing it, right? 
Well, that was their expression of, I did it over and over and over and over and over. You know, three times meant I just kept on and on. It wasn't exactly three times. It was probably 25, 30, 40 times. All right. That he said, I want to take you to take this thorn from him, uh, from him. And God said, no, through that pain, you're going to learn my grace. My grace, all you really need is my grace. Not my grace and take away your pain, but you need to learn, lean on my grace. So years ago, not too many years ago, I, I would go over and sit with Joe Hacker uh, every Thursday. All right, so his wife could go off and go to Sunrisers and shop and everything. And he, at first, he, uh, we could have conversations, but he's, he had Alzheimer's and he started losing his mind. And he recognized me and then he kind of just sat there. And I would be there and sometimes he'd sit there. At first he would tell stories and get stories mixed up. And, it was really, and then he'd look at me and go, well, that didn't make much sense, did it? And I go, yeah, you're right. Safe. <laughs> so, um, so, but he got to the point where he would just be there, just there. And I got thinking, Lord, why, why is he here? Number, and then I started realizing I wasn't so concerned about him as I was about me. I felt like I was wasting my time every Thursday going over there and spending several hours and he didn't even know I was there. Oh, Joe, you're wasting my time. And then I thought one day when I was with him, I thought, Joe's here for me. I need this. It's not for Joe, even though I, I, I think I'm helping him or helping Joan. But this is for me. I need this. I need this suffering. I need this. I need to become less selfish. I need to... Be willing to come and be happy and joyful serving in this case, even though I don't think it's necessary. You know, why is it so necessary? And so I stopped praying or take him or, you know, why is he being a bother? I said, help me learn to be patient. Help me learn to be loving. Help me learn to care. Help me learn compassion. See, I needed that. And so sometimes our suffering and our struggles, we need to realize it's a lesson for me. Is something for me. Here's the, the third thing I think that God is shouting at us in a whisper. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Over and over in the Bible, just, it just unending <laughs> all throughout the Bible. Uh, why are you afraid, God asked. Uh, don't be afraid. Angels say don't be afraid. Uh, right, book of Revelation, John sees Jesus for the first time and his glory falls down. And he says, and he put his right hand on me, and his first words were, do not be afraid. Over and over he says, don't be afraid, because fear paralyzes us. We don't know what to do. It changes our attitudes. Uh, we're, we stop being productive. Uh, and we need to realize that, that life is full of dangers. And life is, will end in physical death. There's no escape. The only way you're going to get off planet Earth is if you die. We're not going to, that's, that's it. And so we're so afraid of it. And I was talking with Mike Brown this week, and he says, this is the one time that Christians should show, uh, their, show they're not afraid. Instead of walking around in fear, he says, what does this passage in Hebrews say? And through their lifelong fear of death 
And then Jesus uh, destroyed him who has the power over death. And that's why we don't have fear anymore. And then we're afraid. He said, be sensible. You, know, you don't jump in a pool of acid. You don't, you know, you don't uh, go around people who have the plague unless you are supposed to be helping someone with the plague. First, Corinthian, uh, first century Roman Christians, when the plague went through Rome, guess who went out and helped the, those who had the plague? Christians. And guess what? Some of those Christians died of the plague. But all the people around them said, it's only the Christians helping those with the plague. There must be something about Christianity. And a lot of people became Christians because they saw Christians without fear. And yet we walk around with, with fear. All the, you know, make, make personal applications to these things. Psalms 23, yea, though I walk through, now I'm doing uh, King James, because that's how I remember. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow and death, I will, what? Fear no evil. I will not be afraid. Why? Yeah, for you are with me. That's what I first said before, remember? Jesus said, I'll always be with you. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. What's a rod and a staff? How does that comfort you? It's a shepherd's hook. Yeah, and the, you know what the rod was used for? The, the staff was used to help like pull the sheep out and... You know what the rod was? It was a stick about that big. Had a big old lump on the end, probably from a burr from a tree, a burl from a tree, or root. Well, you th yeah, or you threw it at them and killed the animals that were attacking. He says God has a rod, and when something attacks you, He'll protect you with a rod and, and that staff. They comfort me. All right, the fourth one. Justice will prevail. This is another thing that God is whispering. Justice will prevail. We say, oh, God, why are, why are things so wrong? Why aren't things right? You know, I wish you'd fix things. Uh, where are you in the middle of all this? So, and that's okay to ask those questions. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse, this is, this is um, symbolic, but, it's, uh, but it, it, you'll understand what it says. He says um, in verse uh, let's see, 9 of chapter 6. He opened the fifth seal he, and he says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. He saw, saw the people who had been killed for being Christians. And guess what they were saying in a loud voice? We say, oh, when we go up to heaven, we're, you know, everything's going to be fine and we're going to sing and no tears in heaven and all this, he says. But listen what they're saying. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? How long did you make this right? This was not right. I was killed. I left family behind. This was not right. How long, God, until you fix this? And then it says here, He, he gave each of them a white robe. And I'm not going to go into the symbolism of all this. And we're told to wait a little while longer, just wait a little bit longer, until the number of the fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed was to be completed. He says, there's more of you coming. There's more of you gonna die. Just, you just, here's a white robe. You're, you're pure, you're okay. Everything's gonna be okay. You just hang in there and I'll take care of it. Revelation chapter seven, verses 13 through 17. One of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? 
and uh, John had a really good answer. Uh, Sir, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You, you tell me. And he said, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes. They have made them white in the blood uh, of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him night and day in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat on them, the scorching heat. For the Lamb is at the center of the throne, will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He's basically saying this, I will take care of justice. Justice will prevail. And so what does it take to do that? All these things. What are the four things? Um, I, will, I will always be with you. Uh, what's the second one? I look at my grace is sufficient. The third one, do not fear. Do not fear. And justice will prevail. You know what that takes? You have to look at the world with spiritual eyes. You can't look at the world through CNN, ABC, Fox News, Facebook, Twitter, Gab. Gab. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You can't. You, uh, that, you can't. You've got to look at this through the through spiritual eyes. Through, you have to look at the physical things that are happening around you through spiritual eyes, and not physical eyes. And so th that happened over in 2 Kings chapter 6. You remember who the one who came after Elijah was? Elisha. Elisha. That's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? So Elisha, uh, he is just like Elijah, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. Uh, the king of Aram is after Elisha. And they go into a city um, and they surround the city. And let's see, let me find the verse here. Let's see. Uh, he's in Do Dothan. Dothan, Alabama, my goodness. He's in down in Dothan. And um, he says, A servant of the Lord, the servant of Elisha, got up, went out early the next morning, and he says, An army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. He goes out there and he looks out and he sees a whole city surrounded by an army. Tanks, that's what chariots were. Tanks and soldiers are out there. And he runs back and he says to Elisha, Oh my Lord! <laughs> that's what he says. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? Alright. All right. And guess what Elisha says? Don't be afraid. And he says, Those are who, who are with us is greater than those who are with them. And this guy just went out and he's like, I think he's, I think something's wrong with Elisha. There's a thousand soldiers around the city. 10,000, so I mean, there's a bunch. And there's only two of us. What are you talking about? And so he doesn't know what's going on. So he says, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes, eyes so he may see. And he says, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked. And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, those are spiritual eyes. He was able to see. Elisha knew they were surrounded by God, God's army. And this little army out here, that's it, nothing compared to God's army. And so we need to remember when we feel small and weak and helpless, God will, is always with us. His grace is sufficient. We do not need to be afraid. He will take care of everything, justice 
will prevail. So let me end this way. How do we apply this? For the, how do we apply these four things? You see, we are God's mouthpiece. We speak for God through His Word. And right out in the, in, in the world, all the people around us, those who aren't Christians, and even some Christians, they're deaf. If God yelled at them, they wouldn't hear. God is yelling in a whisper. He's shouting in a whisper. And we're hearing what He says. We have to speak for Him. So when we hear, I will be with you always, what do we say to the person who doesn't hear that? We say to that person, I'm here for you. We can go to our friends who are struggling and say, I'm with you. I'm here for you. I'm available. I will listen to you. Let's go have coffee. Let, you know, put an arm around them. Sit with them. Let them cry. You can be with them because they don't see God. They don't have spiritual eyes. And you know it's not you doing it. You know it's God doing it through you. So when I will be with you always, you can go to your friends and say, I'm here for you. My grace is, is sufficient. God says that to us. We say to those who don't have the spiritual eyes, I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. You perform graceful actions to them. Run errands, shop for groceries, supply some meals, make phone calls, do texts, stay the night, take care of their pets, uh, come out to the farm, feed the animals, you know, <laughs> clean the house, water. I mean, there's a thousand different ways we can serve other people. All different ways, and the way I serve will be different than the way you serve. Uh, I walk into a kitchen and I go, okay, um, there's some dishes that need to be washed, and I wash them, and Julia sees the dishes, the sink, the underneath, the mopping, the... I don't see all that. I don't have the eyes to see that. She serves better in that case than I, than I might. But we might, I might help with moving something, you know, something that's heavy or, or whatever. But what is the way we can perform God's grace on other people? God says, do not fear. We're in a society that's full of fear. We can say to these people, we'll get through this together. Don't be afraid. We'll do this together. We're, we'll handle this. You're, you're encouraging them. What does that word, encourage, mean? In English, it means put courage in someone. You're encouraging them. And so you're putting courage into them. You're staying in touch with people. Uh, when people are staying apart from one another, you, you, you do things together. You have people over. You let them know that you have that you you will help them that you have their that you you support them and you show them you're not afraid i'm not afraid because and they'll say well you should be afraid no god is with me you tell them he who is with me is greater than he is with you you know look around you uh, god's army surround us and then justice will prevail eventually this is where you actually have to share faith you have to say the reason why I am not afraid, the reason why I serve, the reason why I'm here for you isn't because you're such a nice person to be with. It's because God is nice to me. And He wants me to share that with you. He wants to share my, my faith with you. And so we really help that person put their faith in God instead of their faith in the media or whatever it is around us. All right.